Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the JPN Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Mendel Jacobs. And today, we're very happy to announce that we have on us with us Dr. Rabbi Apfel. Dr. Rabbi Apfel did his medical schooling at SUNY Downstate. He did his residency in pediatrics at the Schneider's Children's Hospital and followed up with a um, fellowship in cardiology at uh, Columbia Presbyterian where he currently practices. He later went back to get smicha at the REITS program. Uh, you can hear a lot of his shiram on YU Torah, highly recommend. And his current project is starting Yeshiva Shivle Chaim. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Rabbi Apple. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. The, the pleasure and, is ours. <laughs> and just before we continue, is it Dr. Rabbi, Rabbi Doctor? How do you prefer to you, go? <laughs> you can call me Howie, that, that's good too. Uh, um, Convention is uh, rabbi doctor, you know, putting, uh, you know, not that doctors aren't very hush with people, but, uh, you know, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> I, th I think the rabbis decided that the rabbi doctor, maybe, I don't know. Okay, good to know. I think Either way is fine, isn't it? <laughs> um, great. So um, before we start with, uh, you know, the deep hitting questions, we wanted to know a little bit about your um, history in terms of having to work on Shabbos. Can you tell us a little bit about your residency and your fellowship and what your involvement in the hospital on Shabbos has been, what your experiences have been? Okay. Um, well, I was fortunate. I did a Shomer Shabbos residency. And um, so all the way through medical school and residency, and, and I remember it came up in medical school a couple of times, uh, if I recall, particularly the surgical rotation, where there was, a, I won't call it a purposeful attempt, but there was a given that, you know, someone would be on on the weekend and no, no special dispensations. But, but truthfully, the, I don't know what the situation is currently, but then it was official that you did for religious reasons, you could uh, have that on your schedule that you wouldn't work on Shabbos. So, you know, a couple of times I needed to put that into play without any real opposition. Maybe one time there was a surgical uh, attending that looked like he was not going to give a good evaluation on the basis of uh, that request. But other than that, no, no overt or, or, or non-overt pressure during medical school. Then Shabbos residency is interesting, uh, was a fantastic opportunity. It's, it was in those days, you know, not that long ago, um, but they, there were more options than I think currently exist in terms of a Shabbos residency, particularly in pediatrics, which is what I had done. Um, it was very limited and uh, I was fortunate. The, I went around everywhere I asked for Shabbos, you know, even places that didn't have an official program. Uh, and you get varying responses. Uh, so just, it's important for people to hear that, you know, relevant listeners, that you sh it's worth a try, no matter where you're going, because a lot of times it relates to uh, the program just not being aware of it and being amenable to it, as long as it's not overwhelming to them. And there's too many people asking for it or things like that. But, so I was fortunate that the, uh, when I applied, so this Long Island Jewish United Children's Hospital for the first time decided to try it. And, you know, it, was, it, it worked out very well for me. It did teach me uh, a few things about Hilchel Shabbos because one of the situations that arises, particularly in the winter, even if you're in a Shabbos program, 
is a decision that you're, let's say, uh, for example, I, I remember in particular what happened to me, I was the house doc for a hospital in Long Island, which, you know, in your second year, you get to uh, run the hospital. So it's, you know, it's a little scary, you know, at first when you start doing it, you're going to be the one who goes into the, into the delivery room, you're the one who runs to the emergency room, you do everything there. But it's a very quiet, they wouldn't be having a second year resident do it if it was a busy place. So for the most part, it's like I, to be truthful, I sat and learned Gemara most of the time when I was at this hospital. One Friday in the winter, when you know I was Zoha to have a person come relieve me before Shabbos. So it was around four o'clock, you know, like that kind of area. As I'm walking out of the emergency room, I see this uh, family walk in with uh, holding their daughter. She looked like something major was going on. It turned out she had anaphylaxis. That was actually the, the reality. And I had a decision to make that's going to be very relevant to maybe some of the questions we're going to discuss later. Do I leave with the and you know take advantage of the fact that I'm, I'm on the Shabbos program? Officially, I could leave and leave the poor person who's taking over for me to deal with something that's very difficult to do on your own. No one likes to do those kind of things on your own when there's a, a minute, you know, low Elena, an imminent arrest or something like that. It's never a, a, a comfortable thing on your own, but I could have, or do I stay, right? Do the right thing, stay, help them out, but possibly be caught there for shops. Now we'll learn what the halacha is in a little while. But, uh, I'm more, uh, I'm better versed in it now <laughs> than I was then, but I decided whatever will be, uh, you have to do the right thing. So that was the first time I actually worked on Shabbos was I stayed and, you know, Baruch Hashem, she did well, the girl, the person who had come in for me really appreciated it. I thought it was very important anyway, in terms of the Shabbos program as a whole, that they saw that that would be the way we would behave, make a Kiddush Hashem as opposed to a Chil Hashem. Um, that went well, but I was there for Shabbos. In the end of the day, um, I was able to get to my brother lived not too far away, so that worked out for me anyway. But uh, as we'll learn later, the halacha is that under those kind of conditions, I could certainly take a taxi home. I could have done that. Uh, there are there are very significant shitas that said I could have even driven home, but we'll, we'll talk about who says what and, and what should, we should follow later. But Short of that, I never really had to work on Shabbos during residency, but comes fellowship, and this itself became uh, an issue. I wanted to be a pediatric cardiologist. I didn't want to be a general pediatrician. I wanted cardiology. So that was my passion and my desire. There was no such thing even close to a Shomer Shabbos cardiology fellowship, let alone in a quality place. And um, so I went, I asked the Shiloh, I said, can I follow my passion on this or do I have to give it up? And uh, I, for me, fortunately got the answer that I could do it. But the caveat of course is, and this is gonna be something that colors every discussion about Hilcha Shabbos and, and Rafua, is of course you cannot be Machal Shabbos Keneged Halacha. In other words, you know, you're allowed to put yourself in this position, that was the Chiddush. I could have put myself into a position where I'll be dealing with Shabbos issues as opposed to avoiding it, but with the caveat that I, I, I could never do it wrong. I could never, let's say, do, do something that breaks the rules of Shabbos. 
So uh, I then went on to my fellowship and uh, I was able with that heter, I was able to go to a quality place like uh, Columbia is a very excellent uh, pediatric cardiology place. And I was on um, my first year, nine Shabbosos, my second year, five Shabbosos. So it was a very finite number, which is going to be relevant also halakhically speaking, because, you know, as, as we go through the what's mutter, what's not, no matter what is mutter and, and what's asr, the hierarchy always needs to be sort of taken into account, meaning you always try to do the least objectionable degree of chilu shabbos if you're going to be involved. So, so at that time, my fellowship had call from home, for example. You could do the whole call at home and just come in as needed. So needed meant you have to round in the ICU the next day for sure on Shabbos. But you didn't necessarily have to come in one, you know, one Shabbos started for the whole Friday night. So the big Shiloh was, what do I do? Do I go home? Knowing I have to come in the next day for rounds. And uh, I personally elected at that time, and I'll, this also is part of a halachic Shiloh that I think we're going to deal with later. Um, I, I decided it's a finite number. I can manage this. I stayed in. So for all my calls throughout my fellowship, I spent them in the hospital. Now, Patients loved it. The nurses loved it. The attendings loved it because, you know, I was there <laughs> and it, it became a very, very useful thing for them. Um, my wife didn't love it so much, you know, and I had six kids already, I think at that time. Wow. So, but, you know, compared to what some people have to do, which is beyond every third or every other, I didn't think it was such a major sacrifice, especially, you know, it was finite, you know, nine, five, zero. And uh, that was my first exposure to really being on. And once the person gave the heter, told me, you have to do it, Ka'alacha, it really, it really inspired me to learn Hilchah Shabbos uh, in general very well, and especially as Nogea to the goings-on in the hospital. So that's when I started really getting into it. Ultimately, you know, for the rest of my life, I've had to deal with it. You know, it's very hard to be a cardiologist uh, unless you can get a practice where they give you off on Shabbos. It's not a very common thing to, to really let out the truth. Um, so I've had to deal with it since then in a different setting. Uh, I don't have to be necessarily in, but I could take call from home. And that has its own sort of shilas that go along with that. So, you know, that's been the scope of dealing with Shabbos. So it's something that uh, it, it's, a, it's a great impetus for learning the halachas properly because the better you know it, actually, the less machmer you have to be and the more uh, capable you are of, of uh, doing things, benachat, which is very important when you're taking care of patients and you're taking care of potentially ill people and making decisions where rationalization is lurking behind every corner. You'll see what I mean by that very soon when we discuss, you know, when you're on call from home and you have to decide whether you're going to go in you really want to take Shabbos out of that equation. It should not be a factor in making your decision. It is certainly not proper medicine. It's not the way to take care of people. So we'll have to see what type of leeway there is with that. But the better you know the halachas, the more equipped you are to, to sort of facilitate that. Um, yeah, I mean, that that is really the perfect... Oh, my visual just cut out. Um, are you guys still able to see me? Yes. Yeah, we're still here. All right, so, you know, Menachem, why don't you take the next one while I try to figure out how to fix the visual on my computer right now?
Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so you, you kind of alluded to it a couple of times, but I figured just to take any ambiguity out of the conversation, um, you mentioned that you were able to get a Shabbos uh, insured program, uh, and then later you took a program that was yeah, that tried to be accommodating, but not completely. Um, and, and you mentioned that Rabbi Willig uh, gave some sort of heter. Can you explain how that model and that heter, the halachic model kind of works to allow that dispensation? You're, you're, you're referring to the fellowship, meaning being able the to- The fellowship, to... yeah. Right, so, okay, I I hadn't actually mentioned the posik, and uh, you, you did. <laughs> um, I did it before. The reason I'm saying this is uh, I want to just emphasize, this is a psak I did get from him, and and I don't think you can necessarily generalize or broaden out the psak I got. It's every situation is different. Um, and needs the shyly needs to be asked. That's, that's my point. But now to, to get into the psak, because uh, I've been asked this child now and I've been in this position now from the other end. Um, the, the way it really, the, the way it works is like this. There, there are two schools of thought on this. There is what I'll call the Rav Schechter approach, which I'll just give it a label uh, for obvious reasons, because it's, it's how he feels. And in the discussion of the issue, you know, it's basically... It's really a machlokias, I'll tell you the truth, to some degree between Rav Moshe Feinstein slash Rav Shechter and Rav Shlomo Zalm and Rav Willig. Okay, I'll put them over there, but I don't, I don't think it's fair of me. I, I can't account for their full scope of their shita. But what's it about? What is the, what is the basic fundamental difference of opinion? It, it's really like this. There, you know, there's a famous, uh, very, very complicated issue of when we say pikuach nefesh is doche isurim on Shabbos, is it working hutra or dechuyah? Right? That's, that's the uh, terminology. What do those terms mean? Normally what they mean is if something is mutter under certain conditions and it's dechuyah, it's sort of like if push comes to shove and you have no other choice and, and you can't avoid it, so it's still aser, but you could do it. It's nidcha, the, the iser's nidcha. But realize when you do the act, you're doing an iser behet. You're doing an iser, but with permission. As opposed to hutra, which means, no, the, the iser's off the books. It's mutter. It's mutter under these conditions. So that's a famous Shiloh. Which one is pikuach nefesh? Is pikuach nefesh just make it mutter? Or is pikuach nefesh dechuyah? So the overwhelming majority of Yishonim, Achronim, the Shulchan Arach, hold that it's the Chuyah. That it surely is the Chuyah. Now the question is, what does that mean? So what it normally means in other areas of halacha is that you, you can't put yourself in a position. You, you got to avoid it. You, you have to like do whatever you can not to be using the dispensation. So is medicine that, is pure nefesh working that way over here? The answer, so is the Chuli Alma? No. Everybody realizes there's something special about the Chaybahem and Hatzala. Uh, it's, it's its own realm where even if it's Tuchuya, you're still always going to uh, be able to do it. That's why the Rambam in, in, across two halachos, in one halacha he says, Tuchuya he, Pikuch Nefesh Hitzel Shabbos. Two halachos later, or one halacha later, he says, but it's, it's to be, don't do it by a Nochri, don't do it uh, by a Katan, do it. Yisrael, Gadol, himself, right? Which is almost paradoxical. How could that be? If it's the Chuyah, I should be trying to get 
Amir Lanachri in here. I should be trying to avoid it. And yet he does. So the reason is, is because it's Hatzalah and it's a big mitzvah and we and we do everything we can for it. So then what's the point of calling it the Chuya? That becomes the issue. So if there's no no real halachic nafkamina, or is there? So Rav Moshe Feinstein says there is. What is it? Not mitzad the chola. The chola can have anything done to save him, but the rofe has to try everything to avoid being in that position. And he introduced this idea that uh, um, he is in a famous tshuva that you don't be have your phone number listed, avoid anyone contacting you. If you're on call, stay in the hospital. Absolutely don't go home because you know you're coming in. And you know, forget about a shift. He writes, even if it's just a possibility that you'll be called in, you should stay in the hospital. And you know, that approach maintains that that's what the Chuya means. Rishlomo Zalman didn't agree with it. Rishlomo Zalman, in a very famous tshuva also, writes otherwise. He says that you don't have to take proactive steps to avoid being in a position where you're going to use pikuach nefesh to be dochi surah. So, for example, it comes out with a, a pregnant woman, says Rishlomo Zalman, what, she has to like move over to the hospital on her ninth month to avoid the possibility that she'll have to come in? Of course not, he says. You know, obviously it's a midas chasidus. You know, it's a very meritorious act to try to minimize and, and do things like that. But there is no obligation. And he says for a doctor as well, you, you're not obligated to do that. And you could, uh, you know, allow yourself to be called in for the, uh, for the issue. Now, there's, there's various levels of this and how far you take it. So, um, those who take it, like Rav Shachter, like Rav, Shlomo's, like, uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein, and some others, you know, in, insist on it as being one of the reasons you have to do Shama Shabbos residency or, or not. I, I remember I had a personal conversation with Rav Shachter about this, and I said, you know, really, you should not become a doctor because, you know, ultimately, most doctors are going to have to do this. So, you know, I don't, he was kind of joking, but he said, <laughs> he, he said, come, come to the kolel. You know, like he told me, come to my kolel. I got a spot for you. Um, and it was very funny, this particular story, uh, Rav Shai Shechter, I don't know if you've heard him. He's very well known now, big Magid Shir, really wonderful person, unbelievable. But he was about three, four years old when I had this conversation. He walks into the room as I'm talking to Rav Shechter with a little doctor kit. Like, uh, I thought it was like too funny and that he set it up. But at the end of the day, um, the, there are those two very uh, different schools of thought on this general approach to things. And it results in all these nafkaminas related to what we're talking about, including, are you allowed to take a residency or fellowship that will not be Shomer Shabbos? We'll have to work on Shabbos. So, so if, if you hold like the avoidance approach that you have to avoid at all costs, then you, it's, it makes it very limiting. But if you go the Rav Shlomo Zalman route, um, you, it opens up the possibility. But of course, the caveat is that you can never ever do the Chilul Shabbos that's not within the, the, the guidelines. So it's got to be real pikuach nefesh if you're going to do a daraisa. It's got to be a cholosh sakana if it's a durabanan, you know, and there's various rules that we can go over, whatever. But um, 
That's a very important caveat. It's a mistake some people make. I remember they used to quote of Tendler all the time. He wrote in his Sefer, he wrote a sort of a quick check kind of what to do on Shabbos kind of book. And in it, he quotes Rav Moshe Feinstein, actually, um, which is interesting because he even Rav Moshe Feinstein sees room for a person to become a doctor. So that shows that that, I never really thought Rav Shechter meant ad kideka, that you shouldn't become a doctor at all uh, because, you know, then you're leaving out the Rambam, the Ramban, the Rashba, they were all doctors and many other Gedoli Yisrael have been doctors. So it, it must mean something a little more tempered than that. So uh, he writes in the book that, you know, when asked him, when he asked Rav Moshe Feinstein, he said, you should take the best quality place, best quality residency. That's what you should do. So everyone saw this as a blanket, you know, heter now. Oh, we can just do whatever we want. But, but what they don't read is the next line in that book. He writes, of course, you can't be Machal Shabbos inappropriately. And that, that's the trick. Now, I would say I did a Shabbos residency because I still feel if, you, if you're able to get Shabbos, it's still the best option for many, many reasons. One, the first one being is we're still, even though we have a heter here, we're still obligated to try and lessen any in any degree. We're supposed to lessen the degree of uh, of, of being over on any chilul Shabbos whatsoever. So it is always still the best first choice if it's available to you. What was a chiddush to me in that psak that I got then was I could have done other things. Um, it was my passion to go into this. Is my passion really? enough to justify doing it. And if you're in the school of thought of Rav Shlomo Zaman, and apparently Rav Wolik, and I'll say that, he'd let me do it, then yes, you can, you can make that decision. Um, before we continue the conversation, for anyone listening that hasn't heard our previous work, I'll, I'm just going to sort of not self-promote, but it is important that Mendel did put a number of lectures out discussing a lot of these basics of how um, Rishon Mazalman's uh, Hatter works, and we have a recording with Rabbi Willig where he where he highlighted a lot of these points that we just discussed. So if at any point anyone watching this is is not entirely sure what we're referring to, please, by all means, check out those videos. We, we went in depth about um, Rishon Mazalman's approach. You, we, we discussed um, Rav Shachter, and we, we had this personal discussion with Rabbi Willig, which highlighted a lot of this. Um, and if Mark doesn't want to, <clears throat> if Mark doesn't, you know, want to push too far, I will shamelessly plug watch our previous stuff on Spotify <laughs> and YouTube. Um, yes, yes, uh, we make a great team. <laughs> um, so uh, following the conversation going forward, um, I think it, it would be really great to discuss some of the, the nitty gritty about, um, you know, you got your header to take a non-Shomer Shabbos fellowship, um, but that comes with a lot of complexities. Um, so I think just starting that conversation right off the bat, um, Pretending that right now you're on call, um, it's your first time that you, you know, on call on Shabbos and you have to carry your phone and or pager for when that call comes in. Um, there are questions that come up. I think, um, first off, it's kind of uncomfortable at first to, to kind of keep those things on your persons that when, you know, you know, you're not really supposed to do that. Um, but I guess that the real question is in terms of carrying it on you. And even more so, actually, like the malacha of carrying. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, having your phone and our page on you? And if there's some sort of shinoi we should be aware of and to do that in the best possible way? All right. That's a very good question. I'll start with this. 
the fact that you feel uncomfortable is a good thing and should continue. The, no one should work to become cavalier or used to it. It's a very, very important protective measure. I, I, I'll tell you what else I used to do uh, to increase my discomfort maybe was normally when you're on call, you're, you wear scrubs. Now, from one perspective, let's say you're traveling in to minimize the marasayan, it's good to wear scrubs. But on the other hand, to make sure that while you're in the hospital, you're conscious of Shabbos and you're thinking that this is not any other day, it's important to dress for Shabbos. So I used to, I used to do that. Now, because I was staying in the hospital, I didn't have to do the scrubs marasayan thing, right? You know what I meant? What I mean by that is that when you're taking a taxi in or driving in, if you're going in scrubs, so everyone, oh, you know, okay, he's going in for some medical emergency. You know, the, the thought process will not be to think the negative things that create myrosine. But um, if you're in the hospital anyway, if you're staying there, so obviously you don't have the issue of carrying outside in Hutsa, but it's certainly Moksa. And perhaps it's not Moksa because you know you're on call and you know you're going to need it. Uh, I'll say this, you know, Nowadays, uh, very few people use pagers or beepers. It's really becoming obsolete. Most, most uh, people, including myself, you know, have switched over to everything's in the phone. You know, and it, it has certain advantages for Shabbos. I could see now um, what's coming without touching anything and know what's really an emergency and what's like, you know, oh, I want to make an appointment next week or whatever. That's certainly not something you should be machal Shabbos over. So that's a very big advantage of it. Um, it also is sort of facilitates the communication back, hopefully with just one push instead of more. You have to come up with a, a shinoi if possible. And, you know, again, shinoi in, in, in using a phone is not, is tricky. It's not gonna just be right hand, left hand. That, that won't count for holding your phone, but trying to use something that has the, uh, the heat or whatever the sensor that operates phones, that allows you to do it. So, you know, a knuckle would, would probably be somewhat of it. But if you find, you know, I, I've had this issue with people, they end up do, making mistakes, you know, when they're trying to hit something, they hit the wrong thing. If they're, if the shinoi causes more chilul shabbos, don't use it. That's what I'm getting at. Sometimes that's the reality. Um, the, there's no way to, if you're on call, there's no way to avoid having your phone. But so you're going to, you're going to have to have it with you. The one thing, though, that you don't have to do is, and if, you, if you're good at this, is you don't, let's say you're at home, you are in a, a call from home situation, or you're in a call room or something like that. You don't have to be holding it all the time. That's, it's good practice to get into this, put it down. I'll take it when I need it. If I'm leaving this room, I'm going to take the phone because you have no choice. You have to be accessible. But while I'm, you know, know that I'm stationary, I'm going to be sleeping in a room or doing something like that, uh, then you, you don't need to bring it around. The other sort of challenging thing, and, and I learned this the hard way, in the beginning when I was on call actually as a fellow, and then we did have pagers, we had beepers. So, um, you, you know, you're, there's a catch-22 here. You want to be not disturbing people with your beeper going off, certainly if you're going to be in shul or something like that, so you have it on vibrate. But if you don't have a mechanism to wake you up, if you fall asleep, like in the middle of the night, you end up in big trouble. Like So 
fortunately I was sleeping in the hospital because I stayed in, but I, my, my pager had been on like vibrate and I don't know why, cause I wasn't going to show. So I don't know how it ended up that way. Um, and I had like five people banging down the door trying to find me because it didn't wake me up the pager. So this would be something you have to, it's a, it's a pragmatic little pearl. You have to make sure that you're set up in a way, you know, you, again, you don't want to disturb people if you are in shul or something like that. Then what I used to do when I became an attending and I, we still had beepers, but we had phones. So I used to set, I used to use both. I would use my beeper by my bedside so that it would wake me up and the phone on vibrate so that I could go to shul and not bother anybody. Um, the, there's, no, there's no getting used to it. And, uh, or I should say it this way, you can get used to it. But again, like I said at the beginning, that's not a good thing. You don't want to get ever used to um, being Mahal Shabbos. It's always got to be looked at as Bakoshi, I'm doing this. I'm not comfortable doing this, but I, I need to save people and I need to do it. And uh, really, uh, this is, it's not a Shiloh that you're going to need to carry the phone and have it with you. I mean, that, that's really beyond any question. If you, let's say, coming inside the hospital, so a lot of people um, will carry it in their sock as a shinoi, which is a, a very valid shinoi. I heard on Shark Tank, so when I was telling somebody about this, um, they told me that there's, there was some from person on, on Shark Tank that, that developed this little pocket for the sock for that. I, I don't think they advertised it as to do it machine. But it, I was thinking it could be counterproductive, you know, like if they really make this thing, it becomes normal. <laughs> and, and then that whole Shino is out the window. But for now, it doesn't exist as far as I know, commercially available to everybody. So it would be probably the most uh, reasonable Shino to, to get into the hospital with it. And it's helpful in terms of a little bit of muksa and in terms of hotsa, in terms of that. Interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, as, as you're explaining everything, it seems like some good things to keep in mind would be uh, even to unlock, unlock your phone to make sure that you have as little barrier in terms of whether it be a code you put in or whether it be a face unlock to probably disable all those things um, and probably limit whatever can send you notifications on Chavez to stop you from having to look at it every two seconds. Yes, absolutely. And there's a lot of input you can have into that. You know, even with private services that people end up using when they're attendants, you, you, you can tailor make it. And, and it's very, very important to do that. The other thing you just brought up uh, or reminded me of another very important thing to do is get as many of the common numbers you need, services that you need to call, consults you need to call on one touch dial. Like that, that itself is a, is a very much a, a good proactive move that you can make to minimize the amount of field shops that you will do. If you could just get it on one, it, it helps a lot. All right. So now going chronologically. So I think we, we got a lot of good halachic pearls and some clinical pearls as well um, in regard to how to use your pager or phone uh, and how to you know, potentially be available to accept call. Uh, let's say you're called to the hospital. Uh, what's a whole lot of guidance for traveling to the hospital? All right. Oh, sorry. If I can just interrupt, just because I want to, we try to set the tone for the conversation. Everything we're discussing is under the con concept that every time you go to the hospital, you're going for a patient who's cholashi yeshbo sakana. Is that, are we under that pretense? Oh, well, I was about to preface my response. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, 
you, you never really know till you get there, right? You never really know, especially if you're, you're the doctor that's making the assessment, then, uh, you know, for sure. Um, it, well, let me step back. In real life, how does it work? So, you know, in a field like mine, it's 99.9% .9 of the time, suffix of conistophashes, right? Cardiology, if you're getting called from the hospital, it's going to be anyone who's admitted to the hospital for a cardiac problem is, in, you know, for the most part, going to be a suffix sarcanistophagus. That's a little bit of an advantage to some degree in, in this field. There are other fields where that's not the case. And that you're, you're right, it's a different, I almost have to answer this question in, in each context. So I'm going to start with the, the easy one. So in this context, um, if it's an absolute emergency, which sometimes it is, blue baby, you know, uh, someone's in, on the verge of cardiac tamponade or, or, you know, they're getting hypotensive, all those kind of things. Um, you just get in your car and you get in as soon as possible. You, in no way can Shabbos ever, 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 I can't emphasize this enough. Uh, I'm a very big advocate for absolutely be machmer on some kind of stuff, which means you take zero chances on these things. You really have to be certain that you're, whenever you're going to take a, a liberty in terms of not rushing in, right? And let's say go by taxi, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, that you're positive, you're not in any way endangering the person that you're being called in for. So that's step number one. Now you you, you do learn and, and you could be very effective as this. You don't always have to assume it's the worst. You know the kind of things you get called in for. And, you know, I, I won't go into the medical details, but you know, there are many scenarios where I know it's kind of the pressure is immediate, it's called Bajo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in my car. There's other scenarios where it's got a few hour leeway and I will go in with Amir al-Nakhri. Now Amir al-Nakhri comes in varieties, right? And this is always a shy that people have. Does that mean public transportation? Does that mean taxi, Uber? So I'll tell you what I think is the least objectionable and, and this really is something everybody should ask their post to work out with them. I, I've been through several permutations. I remember the thing that I thought I was doing best with, was I had prearranged, it was pre-Uber. There was no such thing as Uber. So I, I had this Turkish taxi cab company, uh, not Jewish, which is absolute must, right? You know, I can tell you many stories about people have told me, you know, they got in there, Amir al-Nakhri, and then the guy starts bragging about how Jewish they are, the taxi care drivers. So that's, that's a disaster, to be honest with you. That's not a kind of scenario you want to be in. Of course, you're going to go in, but you still, you never want another Jew, observant or not, doing malacha for you. That's like a big no. So what I did was I, I, I was very, you know, you get much more comfortable with this. And in the New York area, it's particularly um, easy to talk about the, the issue. Um, Although outside the New York area, it might be easier to get people to comply, but that's a whole other discussion. They seem to be less uh, tense about orthodox practice outside of the New York area. But anyway, um, here I, I ranged with this Turkish taxi cab that I, that I would need to come in on, uh, at times on Shabbos. I want to have a system where I minimally get in contact with them. They know exactly who I am, what I'm about, come over, open the door. I don't have to do any malacha. They don't think I'm crazy. I mean, before I did this, I had a taxi cab driver. I thought he was going to have an MI in my house because I go out to him and I'm trying to explain to him 
this idea that I, I need him to come in, go to my wallet, take out the money, you know, like, and he's like shaking and he's like thinking I'm like gonna kidnap him. I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, if you prearrange it, people are understanding and more, especially you give them business, they're more than happy to accommodate you. And so the, the only time I had it better than that is I had a fellow when I was uh, a second year attending. So there was a cardiology fellow who was from Saudi Arabia, of actually, part of the princely family. He comes over to me one day and he says, you, you're not allowed to like drive and do things on, on your Shabbos, right? Or Sabbath, whatever he said. I want to be your Shabbos guard. And it was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And he volunteered and I had him throughout his fellowship. You know, um, of course he got a lot of teaching and he got a lot of extra stuff, but it was remarkable. So like, he just like followed me around and he was always at the ready. I just had to call him, he came in, you know, he did everything. So that's, that's the best travel arrangement if you have the time. Nowadays, you know, taxi cabs are not so ubiquitous anymore. It's, it's more Uber. And Uber is not bad either. Now, Uber, you can arrange. Let's say you know you're going in for a shift or something like that. Uh, and I'll, I should explain under what circumstances that could be. Because technically, according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, you should be in. But there still are circumstances like Rav Shlomo Zalman, like we said. But um, the, uh, the, the, under those circumstances, of Uber in, Uber out, to, to quote the, a posek I once spoke, spoke to. Um, and whatever you can arrange pre even, so to totally minimize, if you know the timing, you should definitely arrange it ahead of time. That's doable on Uber. Sometimes it's not like that because you just get called. You don't know that you're going to come again. And then you have to use the Uber thing, but you're not dealing with money. You're not, you know, a lot of the other problems are taken care of and ho hopefully you won't get a Jewish driver again. The vast, vast majority are not. So that would be next. My, you know, public transportation is an option, but you're, you know, you're carrying the metro. There's not a lot of difference between public transportation and Uber halakhically. You, you could start to tease through the details and you see they kind of even out a little. Each has pluses and minuses. So like public transportation, the metro card is unavoidable. Uh, that's muksa, and you have to use it um, as opposed to Uber where you don't. Both of them, you're going to be carrying your phone anyway. You're going to need a phone under most circumstances. I can't think of too many where you get away with leaving a phone at home. So you're taking that anyway. Um, there's Myris Ayan in both. So you wear scrubs, right? People are looking at you. Uh, but I always favor Uber anyway, because some often the subways are dangerous. Um, you know, if it's depending on where the hospital is and, and the neighborhood and the conditions. You know, like I have, I, I, I will have women call me with the Shiloh. And for them, for sure, I say, you know, you're coming back late Friday night. You, you know, from Jacoby Hospital in Weinstein and you're walking. I just had this exact Shiloh. That's why I'm using these details. They're asking me, what should I do? I can, I can have a 10 minute walk to a subway, you know, in the Bronx somewhere and uh, to take it home to New York City. Uh, or should I, I've been Ubering, what should I do? So, you know, I went through the halakhic analysis with them and I said, I think it's a wash in terms of the number of Durabanans in each but for safety reasons, I recommend you do the Uber. And, and especially if you, have, if you have an idea of timing, arrange it ahead of time, you can even minimize more. So those would be the considerations. So the hierarchy is, again, if it's a real mamish emergency that you need to be there right away, 
Don't even think about it. Don't even think for a second about it. Drive in. We'll talk about leaving and coming back home, what you do next, but drive right in. If it's not Bahal, then the best next thing is to have a taxi arrangement, if you can, where the person knows, and you don't have to pay, you don't have to do anything on Shabbos. Uber and public transportation. Caseda has that, that order. All right. Honestly, thank you so much for clarifying. We like, spoke about you know how maybe you would have to arrange something before. Thanks for covering all that. Um, so now, so we're, we're, we've established that you can call the Uber. Um, obviously, if you can do it before, that'd be better. If not, you'd use a Shinoi to punch you know, the details into your phone. Um, now, you, you mentioned that, of course, you're going to have to take your phone on you. Um, and so I, I, had a, I had a couple of questions in that regard, uh, and they all center around this idea that you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. Um, Deraisa biblically, you're not allowed to carry from Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, right? It's about changing that, 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 that legal status of the area. Um, tech, is the Uber or Shusayafid, you know, or can we make any of those distinctions? You mentioned that you asked the, the taxi driver to come into your house to pick up the stuff. Um, how do you take your stuff? Should it all be in a jump bag together? I know it's like a whole jumble of questions, but you know, right? No, they're do? all related. They're all, it's very good. No, it's see, there, there, you know, when it comes to carrying things, there's three issues going on simultaneously. There's Hotza, the Malacha of Rishusarabim to Rishusayachid, and, and that consideration. There is Muksa, being Metaltal Muksa, moving something that's Muksa, um, which, which is an independent consideration. And then there's Tchum. Tchum is another one. The, the halachic boundaries that have nothing to do with carrying, there, it's its own area of uh, prohibition where you know you, you only have a from the place where you are residing you only have a very finite amount of uh distance that you're allowed to walk outside those parameters not only you but your uh possessions have the same limits now for the most part in any metropolitan area that last one is not a problem because it, the area expands to the edges of wherever the city is and in most situations, you're going to be covered by that. Not always. I was living in New Jersey and I had to go to Columbia, you know, over the bridge that's outside the Tchum. Um, I had to ask a separate Shiloh on this because it made things very complicated. There is a certain distance that's even in Isser Daraisa, a biblical prohibition, and it got the stakes started getting high. As it turns out, and again, you got to, this is a case-by-case -case sort of Shiloh to ask, question to ask a uh, somebody and the, the person I asked, you know, they're squaring off the areas of the various neighborhoods that facilitated this issue. Um, not every scenario, particularly, I mean, you guys must have a widespread audience like all over the United States, I imagine. So there will be areas that um, are clearly, you know, involve this third issue. And uh, sometimes it complicates things very, very significantly. But again, anything you need for the safety of the patient, you're going to be able to carry no matter what of these three prohibitions are in your way. But again, we want to do it the least objectionable way. So we're going to do whatever we can to avoid carrying in the normal way. So you'll take First of all, the minimum that you need, but everything you absolutely do need. And that will be things that not necessarily are patient care related, 
but just allowing you to be active and able to do things. So if you need a key or something to a certain room where the echo you know, machine is, or, or you need to have a key card to get places, which is another one of the questions that you had on the list is all the things that are gonna be necessary to do to take care of the patients you're gonna to need to do. Uh, again, at each step, there's a hierarchy way of minimizing uh, what you're doing. So like, for example, uh, depending on the, the, the rep, how fast you need to get in. So you get to the hospital, you get those electric doors right away. So the first thing is, if I, if I could give it a, a few seconds or a minute, I'll wait for someone to get in ahead of me and I'll just follow them in. And you get, you get good at this, you know, when you're, you know, sort of, educate yourself and then get used to it and get into the habit of even during the weekday sometimes I when you get so used to it during the weekday I, I wait for someone to come in you know I'm like, you know what's going on it's not Chavez you can just walk right in but it's not I'm happy that I, I get that way because it it keeps me on my hierarchy all the time um, so in in terms of the initial question so you, you'll take in you'll you'll carry with you and again the bag itself right? If it has things that are not muksa, right, that facilitates carrying the things that are muksa and eliminates that problem altogether. You make the bag, it's called a basis, the davar aser, and a davar Um, You know, and I always say a good safer is as valuable as, as any uh, cell phone or computer or whatever. But um, that's not a total joke. That's actually, you know, has some halachic validity. But um, there, there's ways of getting non-muksa things that are very valuable in there, and that carries covers that. Um, in terms of like the prohibition of carrying the malacha, the hotza, so there, you know, to some degree, we're relying on a leniency that bismana zed. There's no such thing as a rishusa rabin daraisa, and that's very helpful. And you know, we, I wouldn't do it without bigger shoulders than mine to Paskin this way. And that is, in a, that is a, a legitimate psaq uh, that uh, is part of the cheshvon here that allows you to think of this as not a severe biblical prohibition and, and it brings it down. Um, and, it, and it's just important at every step of the way to be thinking that way. Once you get in again, you wanna, from the Rishus Arabin, which is now we're calling a Carmelist or non-real biblical Rishus Arabin, so you'll still want to not carry from there into the hospital. That's where the major challenge is, right? From your house to the street and then from your street to the hospital. That's where the big crossovers are. So you really want to be doing as much of a shinoi as possible for those. And again, shoes are good under, their, under your yarmulke. You know, those are all legitimate. Right, left is not going to work. The, the only thing right, left works with really is writing. Is, is writing where it's a biggie. But short of that, most of us are ambidextrous with most of these other activities. So it's not gonna count as a shino. But the other, you know, cleverly, you know, using other means of carrying, you know, things that are awkward and, and uh, well, you know, whatever the item is, I could describe what things that people do. So just to elaborate for those that might be listening to it, um, it, it you, you know, you kind of like motioned that you can potentially hold a bag under, under your arm um, so that, you got to be careful with that one. You know, it's interesting. The Gemara itself, <clears throat> its mission it uses, yeah, mentions like every part of your body. You know, like as as normal carrying. 
right? So, but there are certain certain items you do that way, and there's certain items that you don't. Um, so, you know, like under your chin is Mahulayama going to be a shinoi in carrying something, right? And the sock thing and the shoe thing, that's definitely one. Um, pockets obviously are not a good shinoi. Right, left is not a good shinoi. And I, I, I think it's a little misleading. I did under my arm. It's got to be something that's really a shinoi there, but because a lot of things do get carried on the arm like this. Can you um, hold it on your forearms? Like, like you're testing. Right. So with the back, yeah. like with the back of your hand, like something that's obviously not a normal way to carry. Like my stethoscope, if I the stethoscope around your neck is about as normal for a doctor as you know, like putting on his socks. So that's going to be a terrible shinoi. But um, you know, sometimes you, if you have like a, an otoscope or an ophthalmoscope or something like that, uh, and you do it on the back of your hand, that would certainly be a shino, but you also might break your instrument. So you gotta be very careful. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you really undermine yourself in what you need to have there. So you have to be careful. I can't think of a very good shinoid for something as large as that. So sometimes you have no choice, but, uh, you you need it as long as it's for somebody who needs it, then you'll you'll bring it in. Now, hotsa uh, daraisa, we would need it to be pikuach nefesh. If it's hotsa darabanan, especially with a shinoi, then that could even be for cholushein basara. Doesn't have to be pikuach nefesh, and that's a very important thing. I would say somebody who's interested, as hopefully many people are, in really preparing themselves for practicing medicine and being on call on Shabbos and being on Shabbos, the, the first thing to start with is the categorizations of the different colon. <clears throat> I, I assume you guys have done like a like a, a sort of a segment on that where someone goes over all the categories and what type of paterim are available under each one. And that that should be like second in, you know nature to everybody to know that. And that's always in the background of all these kind of maneuvers and decisions. Shameless plug, video three, where we go through the Ramban, Rashba, and uh, oh, everybody else. Right, right. excellent. excellent. Um, I would love to just back up just a little bit so we can kind of exactly clarify exactly what we're talking about. So in terms of getting that initial call, you, you got to come into the hospital. Um, so, you know, Mendel and I are not, we've never received that call, but it, presumably you get a little bit of, of what's going on with the patient. And you can kind of make a quick decision whether or not that's a patient who is sheish bosachana or sheim bosachana. Is that fair enough? Yeah. So the triage is is right then and there, the initial triage, which means um, you know typically if let's say uh, depending on your position, right? So if you're if you're a resident, so you're going to be in the hospital, but you might get a call from a nursing station, right? It's going to be obvious to you. You know, and you know anyone who's working in, as house staff, the nurse says, "Oh, this, the patient can't breathe. The patient can't do this." Those are all immediate sakanas the shows. There's like not even a question, right? The the real emphasis I want to make is, and if you have a suffix, it doesn't change a thing. <laughs> Just go. You know, you need to be certain it's not sakana. That should be the posture, and I I can't emphasize that enough. You know, it's, I, this is in the school of thought of Rav Shlomo Zalman. There, there are, like the Tzitz Eliezer has a kind of different posture on this. Uh, I'll, I'll do it this way. Actually, this is a very, very important, uh, to me, one of the most important yesodos, fundamental concepts in this area of halacha, is 
there are many situations that are what we call alulihistakin or suffix sakana. We don't, they're not a sakana right now necessarily, but they could be, and we're not sure. And how do I decide? You know, like, what do I do? So the Tzitz Eliezer of Waldenburg and uh, others, the Binyan Sion, it's there's a whole school of thought like this. Well, if, the, if it's not a chola lefanenu, if there's not mamish, individual there who's a sakana, go with the rove, which is an incredible chumrah to me and not a good one. And it means in, in the medical world, it would never hold up, you know, to say your threshold for considering danger to life to be 50% or more, that's like, to me, crazy. So I much prefer the approach of this time Rav Shechter and Rav Shlomazam. They have a much, uh, I think, practically speaking and patient safety speaking, better approach to these type of situations. What they will, they'll say like this, how would you react to this case situation, et cetera, on Tuesday? Would you feel a certain sense of urgency, right? For example, I'll give you a classic example. I, I get visits to my home all the time, potential otitis media, right? Potential strep throat. These are like minor kind of pediatric things. How would we react on Tuesday? Would we rush them in? You know, maybe, right? Whatever we would do for the particular scenario, that's going to be our guiding light on Shabbos. So that, you know, I, I love to give this example. I get, you know, in cardiology, there's a complication, postoperative complication called, uh, we said it before, a tamponade or postpericardial syndrome, where there's a, a pericardial effusion that develops. And, you know, depending on how much it is, it's either an emergency that you got to rush in for right away. It could wait, you know. So how do you know? So the typical thing is the attending at home gets a call from the fellow. The fellow, you know, has some experience in echocardiogram, you know, Graham. So they have a say. So if it's July, and you guys know what I mean by this, if it's July where they just started, so I don't care what they say. I'm going in. If it's June, then I have a lot of confidence. In them. They've done it for a whole year. They know what they're doing. I'll listen to them. And I really will take them seriously. The big question always for me was, what about January? Right? Like, which way am I going to go? So I say, well, what would I do on Tuesday? You know what I would do on Tuesday? I'd go in. If on Tuesday I'd go in, on Shabbos I'm going in. And, and that type of litmus test, how will I react, right? Some people used to ask me, Mishum because of Nevesh, I think I should be able to read my, my medicine on Shabbos. Now, whether or not you're allowed to read medicine on Shabbos is this an independent. Let's say you're going like the Machmirim who say you're not allowed to. So they want to know, but Mishum Nevesh. So I say, so when you read your medical textbook on Tuesday, you, you feel like you're solving Pikuach Nefesh problem? I said, no. You know, the, the, it came out in a big Shiloh, a big machlokas between Roshlomo Zalman and the Tzitz about turning the car off. Let's say you rush in, right? So that's the kind of stuff But now, do I turn the car off? So somebody had told Roshlomo Zalman, well, if you don't, it's going to explode. So right away on the basis of that information, he said, well, on Tuesday, I would be turning my car off. I'd be very worried about this. You know, I would consider this an emergency. So he said, Mukter. And the Tzitzelahs are screaming, what are you talking about? Your mechanics don't know what they're talking about. My mechanics told me you're going to just run out of gas. 
and he was right. You know, probably that is what would happen. So he could, uh, that's where he presents, you need Rove. If Rove of the time, it'll explode, right? Rosh Hashanah says, we're not going to use Rove. We're going to use Tuesday. We're going to use, what would our reaction be? Not on Shabbos and that. And Rav Shechter says the same thing. It's Kevan the Dashu Rabbim Shomer Psaim Hashem. Whatever you're allowed, you know, there's, an, there's a prohibition of putting yourself into a sakana. So that's where this question comes up as well. Well, what am I not, am I allowed to ski? Am I allowed to smoke? Am I allowed to skydive? So do you consider those activities societally dangerous? Do you just, or not, will determine this halacha. Do we consider it a sakana that it's asr? So it just happens to be, I don't want to kill anybody who, who likes skiing, but Rav Shechter and Rav Olig are famous for saying that's a sakana, right? But I always thought it depended on, you know, which, which uh, one of the... Uh, slopes you go on and like how good you are. But um, that, that formula I have found over the years to be the most effective, the safest, you keep your patients safe and it's very legit. So I would, I would say at that triage call, that's what you're doing. You're, you're hearing the person, it, it eliminates rationalizations that are inappropriate, right? You're also saying, I don't care that it's Shabbos and that's what gets us into the heter of driving back home, right? And you're thinking, all right, on Tuesday, otitis media, am I rushing to the pediatrician? Am I not? Strep throat, and all those type of things. So in other words, we're concerned about the legal status, the nominal risk, so to speak. Is this considered risk or not? If it is considered risk on a Tuesday, therefore you'd be able to do it exactly. on Exactly, and right, exactly, exactly. I don't need it to be the majority. I just need that my, my genuine, general sense of reaction to this type of scenario is to treat it as one that's potentially life-threatening, that it generates in me an urgency, right? And, and as soon as I've determined that, right? Uh, let me give you an example that maybe this will help illustrate what this means. Another example of one that's not an emergency. So somebody will call me from the hospital, let's say, even a cardiac patient, and uh, they, they have um, normal rhythm right now, but they, they discovered that... Uh, on the, um, on the EKG, they're throwing PVCs or something like that. So there are some contexts, some patients where the PVC is, is very dangerous and, uh, and it creates a reaction. And in others where it's just a very benign, normal finding. And I, you know, could I come up with a scenario where it's something? Yeah, but it's a very far-fetched one. And, and for the most part, on a Tuesday, I wouldn't be reacting to it. I wouldn't say, oh, I got to see it. I got to, you know, start lidocaine or something like that. But, you know, in another scenario, it would be. So you're, you're taking into the, all the medical information to the best of your ability. And again, if you're not sure, you have to be machmer on the sakonistafashos and, and not take a chance. So, so it sounds like following that logic, you get the call, you make that decision. Um, in case you think you would need to head to the hospital right now, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You, you take your car and you drive. Um, if you think it can wait <clears> some, <throat> some sort, you can, you can call an Uber or you can have what you mentioned, like a prearranged um, ride. Um, carrying, we said, you know, you can, you can take a bag. You can possibly put something that's, you know, pricey. Right. If, if you have the taxi cab driver or the Uber driver uh, available, you know, it, sometimes it's awkward, but it's, it's still halakhically worth it. 
let them carry it. Let, let them carry the thing in and minimize. Always, you're always thinking, right. I know push comes to shove, I could do this. I need to get in. I need to get the stuff in. But always minimize to the best ability that won't delay things and, and won't in any way hamper the, the call. Right. Um, okay. So then you get to the hospital. Um, Menachem, do you think we should uh, talk yeah, about travel back or should we? I think problem? so. Okay. I think right. so. I think while we're on the topic, even though it does go out of order. Right. Um, you know, so we kind of explored this a little bit in terms of uh, Hatsala. Hatsala, you know, they need to always be at a state of readiness. So therefore, they would be allowed to come back to wherever they would need to be ready to go on to the next call. So that, that would also kind of mean that you don't want the individuals to avoid taking a call. And so kind of proactively, you allow them to drive back home. Um, and that's, I think, the policy for Hatsala, definitely in my neighborhood. Um I think that's well established according to different, yeah, I think Ramesh even has a trivia regarding that. Um, so we were kind of struggling to figure out how that relates to the resident doctor. You might know that at the end of Shabbos, you're not going to be on call anymore. Uh, how do we model that? Are you allowed to take an Uber home? Are you allowed to, do you have to walk? Can you drive? How do we start right. thinking about that? So here, it depends on the, the scenario. There are several classic scenarios for this. Very important to know this. So, and it might depend on the country you live in, whether it be in Israel or in America, the, the halacha is actually different. Um, let me start with the United States. That's most relevant to everybody. I, I assume that's uh, listening or most people that are listening or, and to you guys. Um, the, in the United States, um, people follow either the approach of Moshe Feinstein, which I'll explain in a second, or again, Rav Shlomo Zalman, um, and uh, there's a third sheet, uh, which is of Tzvi Pesach Frank, which is uh, not really followed by too many people. It's the it's the it's the most limited and limiting. Uh, of, of, uh, everything comes down to certain Gemara, which I guess I we don't have time. I won't go into the whole Gemara itself, but it's a Gemara that seems clearly um, to favor the approach that I'm going to tell you for Shlomo Zalman, um, in terms of it, in the simple understanding of the Gemara. But Rav Moshe Feinstein has a very, very creative understanding of this Gemara that ends up saying you could drive home. That's the upshot of it. In terms of our question, if you're called in, let's take the scenario number one. You, you're on call from home. You, you're allowed to be home. You don't have to necessarily, there's not a shift tomorrow. There's no shift today. You were able to be home, but you called in for issues. So you have an emergency, a legitimate emergency, you're certainly gonna go in, you have the total hatcher to go in, but once you're done, you're done and you're finished. So what am I supposed to do? Um, so maybe just stay in the hospital. But the hatcher is that if you um, didn't have to go in, but you were given this decision to make whether you're gonna go in, and it's up to you, you're not being paid to be on a shift or you're not scheduled for a shift, then we say, you could go back. That's what I think you, you mentioned it already, just like Hatzal. But how do I go back? So the Rav Moshe says you can actually even drive back home. That's the minority view. The majority view for the United States is really Rav Shlomo Zalman and most poskim, which is you can use a mural anachri to go back. It's a big hat there, and the, and the and it's really there just to take Shabbos out of your initial equation, whether I should go in 
That's, that's a very important, such an insight of Chazal into human nature. I have to tell you from my own personal experiences, it is so tempting and so easy to rationalize a triage decision, knowing that you're gonna be stuck there. You know, it gets worse. Starting Friday night is the hardest to make the right decision. Shabbos morning, a little better, but still hard. Oh, towards the end of Shabbos, okay, that's the easy one, right? But, but the rationalizations a person can make, it's like my example with my pericardial effusion. So for sure, in January, you're not going to go in, oh, the fellow, he saw it, you know, you'll make that. You might even do it in July, and then you're crazy. But, but you get the idea. The idea is to remove that temptation and move that. And we are, all can be guilty of it. I, I'm very well-meaning, but I know the thoughts cross my mind, you know, for sure. And, and I, people don't understand this, you know, like, how could you think that you're, you know, you're not going to go in? They don't, they don't understand what it's like to be on call. They don't understand uh, how, you know, the truth is you shouldn't be taking something that's a one in a hundred chance you're going to put someone in danger. You shouldn't even take that chance, right? But it's so tempting <laughs> to do it because they are oh, 99% is going to be fine. But really, that's wrong. I, I wouldn't want anyone taking a chance on, on myself or my family like that. So you shouldn't do that. And yet, very well-meaning people will fall into it because it's very easy. So we, we remove that and we say, and you can go back again. Uh, the the psak is really um, to come back with a taxi or an Uber and doing it. Now, any exceptions to that? Well, if, you, if you're called in a lot and you know you're going to have to go in, you're going to need your car. That's like the Hatzalah Hetter. And you're going to you need your car back at home. So that would be an independent, unrelated Hetter to use it. Not related to Ramosha's Kula from before, but its own Hetter. I, you know, you have to be honest with yourself and talk this over with the posting. I used to, I used to get called infrequently in on a Shabbos for those scenarios. So I would just take the, leave my car, take the taxi. And one job is I ended up with three cars. I ended up with two of mine and my brother's car who lives like, he lives like nearby. The biggest challenge is getting the three cars back after Shabbos, but um, usually that doesn't happen. And you know your scenarios. Um, if you really, mom is called in a lot, an adult cardiologist gets, when they're on call, they could be called in much more than a pediatric cardiologist. Hint, hint. You know, if you're thinking cardiology, don't, don't rule out pediatric cardiology, it has certain advantages. Um, they, they're more easily gonna get the head to, to, to drive back. Cause you know, there's gonna be another MI or another stroke, although nowadays, who knows? But you know, you can have house step do a lot more than they used to. Um, the next scenario is a shift. You're not, you're on Shabbos, but you're off Friday. So the Psaki in America that was very much uh, the mainstream sock was not, not was to stay in house. Like I told you before, was to, to stay in. But what happens if you're actually on every other weekend and every other shops? You're gonna be away from your family. Now, I remember the first time I, I was confronted with this. Again, I told you, I only had nine calls my first year, five my second. So I had no problem staying in. It was so limited. But I, I never dealt with anyone because I didn't have to do it myself. Who, you know, they started asking me these shadows. They said, oh, I'm on every second, every third. 
And I'm thinking, oh my God, I can't believe it. I, I don't know if I would have wanted to stay in every other you know, family. So I referred them to a postseg, and I'm not going to say his name. You might be able to figure it out. But um, this is a Shiloh to S, because now uh, the, the reliance of Rav Shlomo Zalman to this full extent is potentially available. And where if it's going to totally disrupt the person's job is 50% of the time. So again, using Amir Lanachri, there'll be much more of an allowance for even that scenario. That you go in for your shift, right? Using Rosh Hashanah's initial hector that I can just go in as needed for the Bikoch Nefesh. And then take even a taxi home. In Eretz Yisrael, this is the norm. In Eretz Yisrael, the whole system would fall apart uh, is the feeling. Rav Nevensal writes this somewhere in uh, his Mishnah Burr uh, interpretations. Um, that, you know, if they, if they said anyone who has a shift, any from Jew who has a shift, cannot go home, it, it could really wreak havoc on the entire medical system. The norm there is in a place like Shari Sedek, they have it set. The doctors and nurses get driven home after their shift. In America, it was not like that because the system will go on without us, you know, here in America. So you need a psak. You need to ask this Shiloh if it comes up. If it's, again, what I would recommend personally, if it's a finite number like what I had, it's, it's Kedai to stay in from a halachic perspective. It's, it's more than a, it's not even a Midas Chasidus to me. I, I pask in that way. I think it's the right thing to do. It's, it's really Rav Moshe Feinstein of the Post-it for America, his, his mainstream approach. But when you're getting into every others and every thirds even, definitely worth a shot. Definitely worth a shot because there's more leeway under those conditions. Third scenario, the biggie, it's like what I was uh, describing when I was in that, at that house stock, Fridays. Here's where Rav Shechter has a big chumrah. And people you know, have to realize this, if you're going to paskin, you know, if he's your posik and he paskins for you, he's going to go along with most of the things I've said already. But Friday nights, he says, you don't trigger this hetero, meaning... In order to have the heter of hetero sofan, which means we allow the end because of the beginning, you need the beginning. You need that you went in on Shabbos. But if it's a question of you're there already and you're staying, right, you lose the heter. Now, it's counterintuitive to the logic that I gave you before, right? The logic of the heter is we don't want you making this decision taking Shabbos into consideration. So if that's true, so Friday should be no different. In fact, Friday happens more often than the Shabbos scenario. To be honest with you, in my experience, I was confronted with this thought process much more on a Friday. You know, because like, do I, do I leave all the work for my fellow residents? You know, you know all, all, even if you're in a Shabbos program, that's a, I'm telling you that that child comes up, let alone in a non-Shabbos program. And, you know, as a responsible person, fellow resident attending, you want to take care of people first and foremost properly. So this is an important heter to have there because knowing you're going to be you know, stuck in the hospital for the entire Shabbos because I'm doing the right thing is a bit of a, a deterrent from doing the right thing. So it's, it's most post-game do apply it. You know, Rav Shechter doesn't because he learns the sugya that way. But I... Um, most of the post that I've spoken to 
apply it on Fridays as well as on Shabbos itself. It's a very important thing to know. Any other scenarios um, for this question? I mean, I think the biggest um, the biggest thing to elaborate on in terms of relying on Shemus Alvin's approach is that you kind of have to assume that there's going to be some Jewish patient or potential Jewish patient. Oh, okay. So yes, now that's that's a very important discussion um, that gets to the heart of something we didn't touch upon, right? When it comes to this, this sometimes confuses people. There are two levels to the machlokas of Shlomo Zalman and Rav Moshe to be aware of. We've only been really talking about the easy one. The easy one is that we assume, you know, there is a, a, a B'nai bris that's gonna be taken care of. And so, you know, everything we said applies, but if there's not, it, it brings in a different chilek of the Shulchan Aruch, a different halacha, which is you're not allowed to put yourself I don't know if I need to elaborate why we, we we went we went in at some length where we tried to look at Rishman class. Uh, right. Hopefully, Mark okay, will take so, this good. whole conversation out of the out of the out of the recording. Okay, good. So once we're there, so you know it's interesting. You know, it, it's it's in the New York area. There's almost always the possibility that a Jew is going to be there. Rishlam Zaman actually, if you take it very in its purest sense, it has to be there. It's not a potential be there. He really writes. And to my understanding, that you need to have actual patient who's you know present. Others broaden it out a little more. Even Rav Newbort. Rav Newbort goes further, and the assumption Rav Newbort and Shmuel Abbas Pilkelsa writes that even if it's a potential patient. Now, the right. assumption reading is safer is that he was writing it under the tutelage of Shem Zaman Arbach. Um, I don't know if that's a cynical read. Um, I think right. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because um, uh, I, I I get Mark's into this topic. At some point. I, I will. I'm not not to plug myself. No, no, this is great. But I, I have an extensive discussion of this on Why Torah. We and, we 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 uh, quoted you extensively throughout. Um, and you're you're if you look at our yeah, I think I think the thumbnail might even have your face in it. Um, with the scary, link. To, scary to, thought. <laughs> but the um. I think that an important issue is, um, you know, is it is it a mitzvah, right? One of the one of the sort of dispensations for getting involved in being in a pikuach nefesh situation that you're creating on yourself is if it's the tzorch mitzvah. So, is it the tzorch mitzvah if there's no neighbors there and it's only non neighbors? Now, I happen to feel that it is, and uh, and with with you know good backing in terms of poskin, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein. Uh, Rabinovich, Rab- I don't even think need to go that far. The way the Ramah defines mitzvah by Rishman Chas is even going to see a friend. I know. So I don't exactly. So that's how I feel. But I want you to know that um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have some allies. It sounds like in here, but uh, out there, uh, it's not actually the majority sheet or the mainstream sheet. The mainstream sheet is really definite. It's only fair to and and correct to point this out is not to uh, necessarily go this way, although I'm very comfortable doing it. When people ask me to shout out, if they want my sock, you know, that's what it is. Because I, I feel it from the bottom of my heart, it's correct. It's the, the post scheme that I normally, you know, you know go to are, are in this camp. But uh, otherwise, it becomes a problem really if you're in uh, the situation where 
you know, middle America or wherever it is that there might not be. Uh, and people have to be mindful of that. And that's like sort of Rav Shechter puts out a warning, you know, don't take a residency. He, he does, you know, if it's not going to be Shabbos, but try to make it in a place where, you know, it's Shayach. Now, I, I heard a rumor where I read somewhere that Rav Shechter, when he, he was giving a talk on these issues to nursing school, he mentioned if the initial design of the hospital was as a Jewish hospital, and I have to clarify this with him, I've been meaning to do it, um, that's enough. In other words, it was, you know, there are a million hospitals like that, that are initially under the auspices of some Jewish organization or for the purpose of, of, of taking care of Jews. No matter what's the current situation, it sounded like somehow, I didn't understand it, but to be honest with you, why that works. But if that's true, that opens up a lot of other places that could be potentially amenable to this. So anyone who's in that situation where they're, you know, they're, they're in a particular field where they need to deal with that, they should look into that kind of possibility. All right. So now going along kind of chronologically, so you get to the hospital and we established that you have a way back. So that shouldn't uh, color the decision to go to the hospital, which was an important, uh, you know, an important proviso. Um, so you mentioned a little bit before going into electric doors is an issue. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, there might be a hierarchy of, you know, advisable ways to go through electric doors. Um, what's, uh, you know, what do you do? Right. So again, if it's an emergency that's, uh, very, very bajo, very, very urgent, I just go, you know, I don't think about it. I'll just go right through the door. It means nothing. Right. And, and every step of this way meant nothing. Like if I'm driving in and running in, so that's that's simple. But if it's not, so uh, within limits, I will wait and stand there and wait till somebody, nowadays it's hard to get into any apartment building in New York City even. Um, this scenario comes up. I, I, uh, I've been visiting my children who live on the west side, upper west side. And uh, I keep telling them to, to move to a building where I can come visit them on shop. But, um, you know, we have a whole discussion of whether it's psych ratio, this, that, and the other thing. I, I said, um, the only way I'm going into your building is when I wait for somebody to, to walk in. But so it's a common kind of uh, issue. Uh, but I'm, I'm weighing it in terms of the timing. You know, so even if I've decided I have a few minutes to spare, and it's hard to, do, you know, it's case by case, each medical situation, there'll be a limit, and then I'll have to go in. And it brings me to another one of the things I want to make sure I, that we talk about, the elevator question on, on that, that follows on the heels of this a little bit. Um, you know, the, the way it works with elevators is, um, number one, if they, are they the fastest way? That's the first thing you want to know. If you're running to a real emergency, is an elevator faster than me running? So just from a medical perspective, you'll run if you're in good shape, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, that's posture, that's simple. But, if you're running around, like I used to be on call, let's say when I was in Columbia for cardiology. So it's designed much better now, but initially they had like the neonatal ICU was on the 12th floor. The, the PICU was then on the, I think on the sixth floor, the call room was on the second floor. Like it was all over the place, right? If I would have been running up and down the stairs all the time, I don't think I would be doing as good patient care. And I'm not just saying that as an excuse, uh, but there was a point where even things that I could have 
made it in time walking and, and running upstairs. But I made use of Rav, Shom, Rav Moshe Feinstein has a very explicit heter on this issue. You have to weigh that as, as a consideration. You know, it's, it's timing, like I'm talking about waiting for someone to get me in. And it's also the ability to be, you know, with it, healthy and feeling, you know, alert for a full night of call. You know, it's a real consideration that people are going to think, oh, you're some wimp or something. No, you have to be there and understand what it means to be up all night and have your head clear and, and do justice to patients, be able to speak. Um, you know, if you're running up 13 flights, I remember one of them, I'll tell an aside, I, one of my children uh, was born on Yom Kippur. So I come in, it's a, like towards the end of Yom Kippur and, and it was, you know, I'm obviously fasting and my, my wife, this is before I knew the halachas as well as, uh, uh, as later. So I thought I had to, my, the, the delivery room was on the 13th floor. So I thought I had to ask my wife before I went in the elevator with her, do you need me? By the way, I didn't have to ask her. You know, the halacha really is a woman in labor, you just go, right? Um, she says, oh, and I don't think so, not really. <laughs> so I, I ended up running up 13 flights. They were putting IVs in me more than my wife by the time I got up there. It was like an incredible scenario. But so that's one thing when you're going just for your child being born. But when you're taking care of other people, uh, you don't want to be standing there getting IVs and, you know, in you. So it's a little bit of an extreme exaggeration, but the idea is good. I remember but Moshe knows what he's talking about. He was very well guided in medical reality by Rav Tendler and, and uh, Rav Yaakov Tendler, who also was a doctor, is a doctor. And uh, I thought it was a very realistic hector that he gives by that elevator Shiloh. Once you're done, you certainly should use the stairs, you know, like in going down, you know, and if there's no other patient to run to, you know, that's the, the mistake is if you become cavalier about these things, and think you could just use an elevator, even with, you know, a Shabbos elevator. A Shabbos elevator and having somebody press buttons for you is a bedievet that you do if you can't go the other way. So it's not really a that people should be doing, you know, even doctors, uh, unless it involves the types of consequences that I was describing. So I guess just to, to elaborate on that. Um, oh, sorry, Mark. No, no, no I, I'm sure we're going to ask the same exact thing. So go for it. Uh, so how to extend, how do you extend this? So we were talking to one doctor about our last little event and um, she's a member of, our, of, of my community in Crown Heights. And she was talking about that she didn't have that much guidance um, going into residency. And she tried to keep the best version of Shabbos in the hospital on her first Shabbos. And she realized that her sandwiches, the food that she brought was in the call room and she'd have to use the electric uh, you know, key card to get in. So she avoided eating. And she said by the end of that Shabbos, she really, you know, wasn't the type of doctor that she'd want to be. Um, and she said she couldn't do that again. Uh, so how do you, you know, how do you balance that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a disclaimer before I answer this. I'm going to give my answer and the way I would handle, if she asked me this Shiloh, uh, the disclaimer being everybody should, this is the type of issue you got to talk over with a POSIC. There's nuance to it, the subtlety, there's case by case, but I, I, would have, I would have told her, you know, if it's true that there's going to be, again, an effect on the way you treat the patient and handle them, particularly if you're dealing with patients that are in Sakana, then you have to figure out a way to eat. There's no question about it. The last resort is going to be going into that room, right? Now, you're going to do it in, again, the least objectionable way. 
but you you must eat if you need to eat you know um you can't fast that's for sure and be on call you know although you can on tuesday i'm sure there's many people that are going to be doing it but um even there if you think it's going to affect patient care that's a shiloh whether you should be doing it you know you shouldn't be you know you should not you cannot let shmiras atanis you know do that and you can't let uh, the key card issue do it also because you can get it down to a very low level iser and the compelling need to take proper care of somebody will be a tzarech gadol that by the time you're in the shvus the shvus meaning you you can make it to the rabbanons in a way right so I'm not saying you can be over under ISIS you you cannot do that probably for this type of hypothetical scenario. But if you're able to do a shinoi on a durabanan, which is what I would be telling her to do in that scenario, uh, that will be okay for this tzarech gadol, which is to be able to treat these people properly. Other alternatives, you know, nowadays, in, if you're in the right hospital, and most of the New York hospitals have have that Shabbos room, you know, that room that, uh, and, and go get something to eat <laughs> and don't starve yourself. But... Um, I'm saying in the worst case scenario where she couldn't do that, I would have had her do a shvus the shvus, the makom gadol to take care of herself and not start. So it sort of, sort of sounds like if you're, if you're in the hospital and you're taking care of patients, you can sort of rely on the fact that you need these things to get done in order to probably take care of patients. And you can rely on the term to use the elevator or to get into these rooms. But it, right. What I encourage people to do, to be honest, is is, you know, you have to be careful because, again, there's, there's always the fear of rationalization and overusage of these things. So the best thing to do, what I always tell people is, these are all very reasonable questions to ask your rabbi. Sit with them, go over it. You know, it takes uh, one or two calls before a resident realizes the scenarios. And if you can't do it ahead of time, which I do recommend strongly, talk to the people ahead of you, find out what goes on and what you like you guys are doing right and get it down and then sit with your rabbi you know the person they're comfortable with and get practical on the ground solutions to these issues because everything could be worked out and you know again anything that's not covered err on the side of doing good by the patient in that sense and then and just to highlight because i you know this was our conversation mendel and i had just before you jumped on so if you were really done taking care of your patients Right, that's going to be your strictest moment right there. So really yes. do everything you can to not not rely on any of those things because no patients are really, um, do, we don't imply the same like rationalization that we do with driving home. Whereas if it's going to be extremely difficult to, to operate, you're going to start to question whether or not you have to go into the first place. We don't know. It's interesting. It's tempting to do it, but for the same rationale, but, but no. You need a precedent. You need a real halacha precedent. It doesn't exist. The halacha gives you, in that context of travel, this hetter, okay. but not not otherwise. Not otherwise. Um, right. Okay. Great. Um, so, Menachem, we talked about the doors and the elevators. I think uh, we wanted to bring up the concept of key cards. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, in, the, in that hypothetical scenario, we talked about the resident trying to get into that room, trying to use a shinoi. We've been trying to rack our brains like how you could possibly open a door with a key card with a shinoi, and we couldn't seem to. to so, uh, and I think just, 
yeah. did you use I, I don't think for matters of infectious disease control that you should put your mouth on your on your hospital key card uh, but that yeah. might be my squeamishness but I, I think the first thing that you alluded to is that electricity might and again talk to your post might already be a drabana which means that it's right, one that's level of shows Right. And then potentially the next level of shavuos would be some sort of a shenay. Um, right. And, and right. bear in so, mind that according to the Rashba, you can do a Durabanan straight, if, yes. even for a Chedashen Right, right, right. You know, in, um, it's interesting, you know, the, that heter, you know, which is really, uh, it's made famous by certain achronim, the, uh, the actually the, the Balatanya is one of them. I'm just making assumptions you live in Crown Heights, but that's not necessarily true. If you can't see the, the look at the Sifis and the oh, okay, right. and okay, the pantheon good, good. of Chabad literature behind me, right. my name is Menachem Mendel, so you know, that's out of the bag as well. <laughs> I thought it was a little obvious, right? right? So, but anyway, so so the, the Balatanya and the Avni Nezir, both of them uh, say this, the Evid, Shomazalman Paskin, that the Evid, we can rely on them for a single Durabanon. For, for this type of scenario, but no one other outside of doctors, it's bishas adchak you can rely on. We are dealing bishas adchak, so that's what allows us to do it. Most people outside of medicine, you know, never are familiar with that hetter and never would use it. That's why you know rabbanim even are shy. I give sometimes I give this, uh, I go over these things in, in YU for the smicha guys, and they're like shocked. I say it's just it's just for doctors. <laughs> Take it easy, you know. It's it's a real shasat chak. You know, most people in, in regular life don't have the shasat chak that would justify it. So it's it's important for people to realize it's not for use outside of the context of a real shasat chak, like a doctor. But you're right; you can rely on that under those conditions. You try to avoid it, you know. In in terms of electricity, you have to be careful. Um, there, you know, aside from the Chazunish, there's this famous, you know, the other famous posik who holds that it's Daraisa electricity? Ravasha uh, Weiss. Yeah, right. So, right. so we, we had uh, one of his Tamidim of Hakim off the record who mentioned, and therefore we won't mention that. We, he mentioned that although that's what he holds, uh, he says that the Makam Seyrech, you can apply right. the opinions that say that it's a Jarbanam. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually reassuring for many reasons. Uh, I once, I once, um, was in his sukkah with like 50 people, you know, a large crowd, and completely forgot his sheet about electricity. It was like very embarrassing. So, cause I was, I was bringing a whole bunch of shilas from Einstein that they had um, asked me to deliver it to, to Rav Asher. So I premised the whole sequence with, oh, and of course electricity is Drabana. And he looks at me like, oh, but um, it is the majority sheet also, just to be clear, Rishlomo Zalman even is almost at the opposite end of the spectrum on that. He, he, he calls it no hegesser. It's like he, he, he extensively researches that. So I'm very comfortable with it being Durabana. Um, in terms of Shinuyim, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned the, the infectious implications of using your mouth, which would have been a good Shino. I, I, it's written in Tzitzeliezer, by some, I forgot who he's quoting. Somebody suggests driving with a shinoi. So I, I just want to go on record as saying that's <laughs> lunacy. <laughs> don't ever do that. You know, that's a chassid shota legamre. You know, don't ever even think about it. And you're right. It's very hard with the key card to do it short of uh, somehow 
manipulating it with some kind of cover, maybe you can get like a, a sterile something. Now you're creating a tremendous shima. I don't know if it's doable. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it, even using your hand backwards or, you know, like this, which works for writing. This is like a writing shinoi, the chuliyama. It's a literal kalaachayad, right? Um, it, I, it, it could be awkward enough for putting in a key card as well. Um, it's better than nothing. It's like what, like what we say on a computer when it comes to typing on a computer and we want to throw in the shinoi there. So there also the shinoyim are, are quite debatable. Some of them, you know, even the knuckle thing I told you before. Um, but it's, you know, you do the best you can when it comes to the, these types of shinoyim. Um, okay. We, we have, a, I'm just notice, like noting the time and we have, we have so many questions and I think what we're doing here is really so valuable. It's so great to get answers to these questions. Um, I'm debating how to go about just continuing on. Um, how much time right, do you so, have? <laughs> um, I'm coming to the limits of, of the time I have right now. Okay. Um, what we could do is maybe uh, at a future date, uh, set up another session with uh, with remaining questions or other questions be happy to uh, participate um does, does that thank you for in, that that works that yeah, works really well I, I thank you so much that. for indulging us till this point and i can say <laughs> oh, it really was an indulgence yeah right i want to i want to commend you guys i think you're doing an amazing service i wish when i was at your stage i had something like this uh it would have been an incredible and i'm sure it is now an incredible service for people. Yashikoch, you should be zochet to many mitzvahs like this. You should be zochet to have very, very productive careers and do tremendous chesed and uh, and become uh, people that are adept at, at handling all the challenges, which makes the kiyom even greater. And Nishmas of Rami is such a beautiful paragraph where he describes, you know, such a challenge to become a doctor, but if you do it right, which means kahalacha, the, the kiyom is unbelievable. It's like, you know, the story in the Gemara about, I'll end with this, the story, beautiful story in the Gemara about Abaye's upset a little. I think it was Abaye or Rav, I forgot which one. Upset because Abba Umna, the doctor, gets Baskal every day. He gets Shechina, visits him every day, and he's only getting it once a week. How could it be? So the, uh, the Amara that he's telling this to, he says, well, you don't have the opportunities the Kiddush Hashem that uh, Abu Umna does. And it's, it's something, there's a tremendous achrayas in being a doctor, uh, not only in terms of the pragmatic taking care of patients and people's lives are in your hands, but in, from a, a Ruchni's perspective, totally from the halachic one, uh, you see more challenges than any other profession in terms of the gamut. And to work hard and to, to make efforts to do it right and then to be marbits it the way you guys are, Tremendous kin, Yashikov. I'm very, very inspired by you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.